the next phase of what we're going to kind of go in here, one of the things that's really cool um, to me personally is the opportunity to, to watch God work in our lives and um, to celebrate the fact that he is good. One of the things that Jesus told us is my father is always at work, always, and I too am working. And what's cool is that doesn't mean just in the Bible times. To this day, God is still involved in your life, and he's involved in my life. And we just want to take some, uh, some moments to be able to celebrate that. So I have actually asked a good friend of mine, his name is Adam Crow, to come up here and share a little bit of his story about what God's been doing in his life. Would you give it up for Adam as he comes up here? Sweet. Thank you, Hillary. All right. Round two, buddy. So here we go. So why don't you just fill in everybody a little bit about uh, who you are and what you do, all that good stuff. And Awesome. Very cool, man. Well, one, um, is we, and by the way, uh, our family went with their family down to the sand dunes. Any of you guys ever been down there to the sand dunes? This guy's a maniac, by the way, just to, just to let you know. And it was, but it was so fun outside of almost killing my two children. Uh, we, we had an absolute blast. So uh, anyway, um, why don't you just, uh, why don't we start here and just kind of share some of what your background was. We, you know, we're here at church. We're talking about spiritual stuff. What was your religious background growing up? And there was next to zero. I mean, I've been to church twice in my life before I came to, to K2, and, and uh, we grew up just thinking church was somewhere you went on Sunday and paid your 10%, and once in a while you had a barbecue or a get-together, and that's how we uh, viewed churches as children and as, even as adults. Yeah. So, I mean, so you had a really positive view of church, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, but obviously you're here, and so why don't you just share with people that, uh, what got you to come to K2 in the first place? Uh, my wife was actually uh, raised in a different religion. She started coming to K2 because of a friend, and um, the more she came, the more she'd come home and tell me, yeah, you ought to go, you ought to go, and I said, okay, okay, after NASCAR or whatever, and, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, one day she said, well, come and play some pool, and I said, well, at church, and then she said, well, come drink some coffee. Come do this. And pretty soon I started just to worry. It was like, what, what is she doing? What's, what's going on there? <laughs> and so uh, finally she got me in, and, and she got me to go. Cool. All right. So, so yeah. So the, And again, what I love, uh, we'll get into this a little bit, but Adam, as we got to know each other, I mean, part of what he would say is, Dave, you, you have no idea how amazing this is that I'm even here uh, in, in church. And so you show up and tell everybody, what, what was that first experience like being here um the first service i went to the day before that i was at barnes and noble and we were looking my wife and i both we were looking just self-help books and just books on tape and and things like that and um the first thing you said was everybody's out there looking at barnes and noble for self-help books and they're passing right by god and and that day everything that was said was just a pinpoint of my life at the time it was just exactly what i was going through cool in fact, uh, you, you, you told me that you actually talked to Frankie after that service because, uh, go ahead and show everybody what Well, I, I, I told her, I said, you know, did you pay him or did you talk to him beforehand <laughs> or, you know, there had to be something there. It, it, it was just, it was too convenient. You know? <laughs> and I thought he was joking, but he said, no, seriously, yeah, I really did thought she paid you <laughs> to talk about me. So, and that, and again, that's been one of the cool things, you guys, of the story, again, just let me throw this in here that many of you I know have had that same type of experience. And what we've said is, is um, obviously we don't even know you, but there's one who does. And, and that's the point. He wants to be that intimate and that close to you. 
And so whenever you feel that sense that, man, you're speaking right to me, that's because somebody is. Not me, but the one who really loves you is. So, all right, so you went on this journey, and uh, you started coming, and, and because of that, it's like, wow, this is something, maybe there's something to this, so you start coming every week, and then every other week, and then once a month, and then whatever. There. And uh, But then you decided to go ahead and say there was something enough to take some next steps. So you joined our small group, and that's where we really got to know uh, Adam and Frankie as they joined Susie and my small group. It was a base camp, uh, kind of learning the basics of, of the Christian faith. And why don't you share, everybody, what was unique in, uh, about that experience of being in that group? I am I'm very tangible. Everything has to be physical, or I have to see it or touch it or feel it. And um, to just go into the small group where everybody had this uh, this faith in something, it was, it was very uh, different to me. And so at first it was like, ah, I don't know if I'm really enjoying this. But the more and more I got to know the people that were there, it was some of the greatest people I've ever met. And, and the more I got to know them, the more I realized, hey, you know, there's got to be something here. If there's that many people in, in just a small group. Cool. So. And the other thing I remember was great was Adam just, that's the thing you love about this guy. He's just, he'll lay it all out there. And in our small group right off the bat, you just told us, that, hey, I just got to tell you guys, again, I, I have no experience in this whatsoever, but I got lots of questions. And so that's the other part, not just tangible, but there's also a, a little something that goes up on here. Yeah. Why don't you share everybody with that just a little bit? <clears throat> well, I still don't understand how all the animals are on the ark, but <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, it's it just there's so many things that I I just open uh, open a passage in the Bible and read, and I'm going, wait a second, that can't work. But the more and more I, I I learn from these people at base camp, the more and more I realized you have to look at it totally differently. It, it's not, um, you know, they didn't have tracks back then. They didn't have those things, so it was a little easier for me to to have a little more faith in that. And it was, but it was also important to have a place where you could ask those questions mm -hmm, and definitely. critically think. Now, and I think I just want to say that too. That's important for you guys, for all of you out there who, who maybe have been in the same road that uh, that Adam's on. Ask questions. You know, you do not have to be dumb to believe in God. You can think critically, and I think it's important that we really do that. So, so anyway, so you're coming for a while, and then you show up. You know, I don't know about a year ago to a normal church service, but you have a different experience on that Sunday than you've had before. It was a it was a rough time in in our lives, and uh, I showed up, and and um, you know, everybody comes up and has communion, and I'm not one to sit there and um, sing and dance and really even take communion at the time, and and I I just stood there and, and kind of bowed my head and, and prayed, which I really hadn't done much of. And I just had this overwhelming feeling come over me that was just uh, something I'd never felt before. The problem was, as soon as I felt it, it was like, okay, I got to look around and see who's watching. And, you know, it just, it, I felt uncomfortable and it, it, it scared me. And so I kind of stopped at that point, you know. Yeah. But it was the first time where you felt like there was, because I remember, right, the, was it part of you where you go, man, God, I kind of opening yourself up to him yeah. for the first time. And he actually responded, wigged you out. Exactly. Yeah. So you shut it down, and then, but you're on this journey now because there's something real to this thing. And it's just been smooth sailing since then, right? Just this Not. great spiritual growth. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I love about Adam when I asked him to share his story is he said, why me? He goes, I'm sure there's some, a lot better stories out there that, you know, that other people have. And I go, you know what, because I, I like yours because it's real. And one of the cool things about knowing Adam is it hasn't been smooth sailing, but there's been some really positive, neat experiences and then some major struggles and stuff like that. Um, but a few few weeks ago, uh, something something changed. So why don't you share what, what happened? Um, it's actually the Fourth of July, and we, we we are huge entertainers at my house. And a, a party of thirty forty is not very uncommon. Well, this one was a block party, and there was probably a hundred people, and started out great, and then it kind of 
people started arguing, and it just turned, turned into a horrible night, just a horrible night, and I think the last people left at 5, 5.30 in the morning, you know, and, and um, that's the party. Yeah. How come you didn't invite me? Yeah, I don't know if you would have liked that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you don't know me very well. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my thing was, is I was so, I just tearing myself up inside, and I was so frustrated and upset, I just never went to bed. I just went out and started cleaning up from fireworks and cleaning up the lawn and all the garbage. And, and uh, you know, meanwhile, I just, I just didn't enjoy myself at the time. And I, I just asked God, I said, you know, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore. It's, it's, uh, I can't go through this anymore being who I am. Um, just finally help me. I'm, 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 I'm yours to help. Um, and it just, this, this amazing feeling came over me again, but it was totally different. I, you know, went from not feeling well and being tired to going in and waking up my wife saying, get up, get up, get up, you know, let's, let's go to breakfast, you know, and I just felt like a million bucks. And, and um, you know, since then, it's just been a, a lot different. And we were uh, meeting in Starbucks yesterday, kind of uh, going through the final things with your buddy John. And, and um, but one of the things you said is in the past, you'd ask God to help you. You know, and uh, don't we all? <laughs> I mean, you know, help me, God. You know, I can't do this. But you said what was different on that day was that you finally actually surrendered. The difference was you finally said, okay, you got me. I'm, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And uh, I just want to say, you know, when Adam, when he shared that with me, that's why I knew it was finally different. Because there's one thing to cry out for God for help, but there's another thing when you cry out and you say, and go ahead and take me and have me. And that's all he's looking for. He's looking for any heart that'll say, that'll open up so that he can really come in and make the change. And, uh, and it was cool, too, to talk with John, his friend, and, and Frankie as well, you know, just to say, man, have you seen changes in Adam? And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Because that's what God does. He brings us a whole new life. And, and so, uh, you know, right after that, I was sitting, right after service, you were sitting over here, and you bolted over afterwards, and you say, hey, man, when's the next baptism? Because uh, I want to get baptized. So tell everybody why, because you're God, we're, we're actually having a baptism coming up here on August 9th, and, and uh, Adam's going to be baptized, and why don't you share with everybody why you decided to do that? Well, again, there was no religion in, in my life, so baptism in this state was, was something you had to do, and I always said, no, absolutely not. But um, once I, I got to that point, it's like, hey, I want to show a physical, uh, a physical way to show God that, hey, you know, here I am, just do, do, do whatever. Um, and, and I think a lot of people misrepresented it to me as, as, you know, you're showing everybody around you that you're, you're, you're ready to let God into your life. And to me, it has nothing to do with anybody, but, but uh, just that one-time show of, you know, yeah. showing God I'm ready for him. Exactly. It's way cool. And again, I just want to encourage you, if any of you as well have been at a place with, with Adam <laughs> where you have finally just said, man, Lord, come in. I, I receive you. I just, I want you in my life. Um, Tuesday night, we're going to have a baptism class, you know, in, in just uh, our final one before the night. And if you'd like to participate in that, uh, we'd love to have you join us. And uh, in, also on, that, on the 9th, you guys, it's going to be awesome. We're actually going to be at a private home for our baptism. So we, we're just going to have a big party together. And uh, even if you're not getting baptized, if you'd like to come and just celebrate with us, uh, we'd love to have you join us. We're going to do the baptism, then bring your own picnic, and there's a swimming pool, obviously, if we're doing baptism. And, uh, but we're just going to have a blast afterwards. Um, but celebrating this, this new life um, that Adam's experiencing, that his wife and his friends are seeing, and it's very cool. The last, thing, last question I asked Adam, I just wanted, is I asked him, I said, because we were, you know, we sang about this amazing love of God, and I said, so do you know that God loves you? And, uh, uh, well, I, I immediately said, yeah, and there wasn't a question, and, and 
you know, even six months ago, I would have said, well, you know, yeah, I think so. But it, it, it's just this feeling inside that I, there's no question. And the way I put it today was, do you love your kids? And, and there's no question. It's just, yeah. Um, and you can't really explain why. You just know. Yeah. So. And that's what God does is he plants his love in our hearts. And, uh, and I just want Adam to share his story because I know a lot of you are in similar points of that journey. No religious background. Coming in, you've, you've maybe every once in a while opened yourself up to God and experienced him and you've shut him down, <laughs> just like Adam has. You've got questions and you're thinking, and I just want to encourage you, man, keep going on your journey. Because God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. You really will. So, man, thanks for sharing your story, buddy. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys, one of the favorite things for me... Um, you know, whenever I hear any of your stories um, with God, is it automatically makes me kind of reminisce about my own. And I, in fact, I'd encourage that for, for any of you who have had a, a, a journey with Jesus. Is just if at some point, man, you, you just kind of on a semi-regular basis, it's really helpful just to look back and just to to reminisce on how good He is. You know, to th- you know, really, what are the Psalms and what are the Scriptures? That's all they're doing. They're just expressing the gratefulness in their hearts for who God is and what he does in our lives. And, and um, so I love to do that when I hear stories like that. It makes me think back to when I was questioning and when I was running and how God seems to be able to run faster, <laughs> you know, and even when I'm running away from him. And, uh, but the other thing that happens for me when I reminisce uh, about my life is it's also inundated with memories of failure. And um, in my spiritual journey, as I'm sure I know all of ours are, if we're honest with ourselves, are just filled with failures. And sometimes mine have been pretty extreme. Um, other times they've been things that nobody would even know about except, of course, God, because he like, knows everything. Sometimes it's a one-time mistake or a one-time thing that I've really done wrong. And other times it's the pattern, it's the constant battle that's in my life. Um, so it's kind of a weird experience to reminisce about God and my, and my journey with him, as I'm sure it would be for you, because it's filled with gratefulness, but it's also filled with some junk inside. And, uh, but the, what happens too is I, I'll, I'll stop and I'll think about, well, how did I handle the consequences? You know, how did I respond to those times when I'm really messing up in my life? And there were times where I didn't care. You know, you just don't care. You just keep doing it anyway. There are other times <clears throat> where the consequences are so beating you down, at least for me, where I know that I was paying some, some pretty severe prices in my life for the consequence of my own decisions. And then there were times where if I, weren't, if I wasn't paying the consequences of the sin, I was actually beating myself up. Anybody relate? Anybody in there like to beat yourself up for the things that you've done in your life? And sometimes, man, we just flog ourselves um, and we take us down. And actually, I shouldn't say beat ourselves up because I was thinking about, no, you beat yourself down. You don't beat yourself up. You know, like, boom, oh, this is great. I feel better now. No, I mean, usually when stuff is beating you, even, even if it's yourself, you're beating yourself down. Man, that's the stuff that bothers me. That in my walk with God, there are way too many times where I've been beaten down. And that's not him. That's not what he's about. But there have been times when the consequences have been bad, and I've been able to get up and turn around and keep going. And I tell you, man, that is critical. And so I want you to think about this, you guys. Does anybody in here, let's all go ahead. Anybody in here sin? Let's see, anybody in here sin? 
Okay, basically, does anybody breathe? You know, <laughs> I mean, if you're breathing and you're a human being, we have this thing called sin in our life. So I got four questions for you because your questions are my questions. The first one is this. Do you care? With the stuff in your own life right now, is it actually bothering you or is it not really bothering you that much? The second thing is, in the room this size, um, are there some of you who are being beaten down? And you're feeling the consequences of the sin in your life, of the decisions you've made. And it's kind of destroying your life, and it's really frustrating you. I, I think the other question is, are some of you beating yourself up for something that you've done? You know, you can sit there and go, I know God forgives me, but I can't forgive myself. And you're allowing yourself just to get stuck in it. And then my last question for you is this. When all that kind of stuff's happening and you're getting beat down, do you know how to get up and turn around? Do you know how? Because I want to tell you right now, it is God's will for you to not be beaten down, but to turn around and to keep moving. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Because there is no option in this world as a human being to not have to struggle with sin. We're just all going to have to do with it. But what we do with it is critical. And I'm going to tell you this. It's critical because how we handle it will define your life. It really does. How you handle it when you don't listen to God and when you have sin in your life, how you handle it will define in which direction you're going to go or even if you will go. Because <laughs> sometimes, again, sometimes we just sit and we get paralyzed by it and we end up not moving anymore. We end up not being free anymore. And that is not God's will. And you know what happens? Is the result is your life. I was, I was sitting out la late last night outside in my backyard, and I was going through these questions that I go through from a book I was reading. And it says, as I'm going to speak to you today, the first question was, what do they need to know? So I'm writing down what I think you need to know. And then the second question is, why do you think they need to know it? And man, when I hit this one, I realized, okay, this is critical. Because this is why you need to know the stuff I'm going to share with you today is because you have a chance for the rest of your life to be beaten down or to be turned around and to live. And it really is for every single one of us. It's our lives that are at stake. So I'm going to pray. And let's pray. And again, here's the deal, you guys. There is stuff from God that doesn't make sense to human beings, but it makes sense to him. And, and, and what he needs to do is come right now and open our eyes and help us to see it. So for you, no matter where you're at in your own life, if you could just you know, pray with me and open our hearts so that we can experience what God has for us today. Because today I want you to know he cares about your life today. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you for those psalms and the scripture that we were able to start off our, our, our day with today. And just be reminded that your love is unfailing. It never ends, that you're full of mercy and you're kind, and you're just truthful. And that's why we want to come to you today, because we want to say, God, we want the life you have for us. Would you show us what it is? Would you reveal it to us? And would you help us to not get stuck down? God, we don't want to be beat down. And I pray for any person right now who's struggling in this, that you would just come and reveal the truth to them. And that all of us might be able to walk out of here with some tools and, and be equipped better to fight the struggle of the fact when we sin against you. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right, here we go. I'm going to actually teach you guys from a passage in the book of Judges. As we've done with the series that we're in right now is take a look at this. And it's basically coming out of our own personal times that we've had with God. And I was reading in the book of Judges. By the way, um, Judges is a really uh, pain in the butt book, by the way. Um, Can I just say, if you're totally new in your faith, don't read Judges, okay? Because um, it's hard enough for me as a pastor to read Judges. And, And the reason why is because the book right before it, Joshua, is all about what happens when people are faithful to God and the blessings that come. I love Joshua. You read that book and you go, yeah! Well, see, but Judges is all about what happens when nobody listens to him and all the consequences that come up. And you just go, oh, you know, just can I get through this book? But we also know that the, what the Bible tells us, again, is that all of God's word is helpful and it's useful to teach us, to correct us. And that's why I think Judges is in here. Because it's helpful for us to know, you guys, hey, listen, years ago, people struggled with me, okay? And I want you to understand what it's like when that happens, okay? So here we go. Judges chapter 2 is where I'm going to start with verse 1. It says this, the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, I brought you up out of Egypt and I led you into the land that I swore to give your forefathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. Here's the first thing that hit me when I was reading this passage. You guys, here it is. God is so good. God is so good. Now, how do you read the Bible when you live in 2008? and you're looking way back here thousands of years ago, is one of the first things you got to do is make some connections. Well, see, what he was saying here is, man, I, I brought you up out of Egypt. What he's saying there is, you guys, I saved you from a life of slavery. I rescued you from that. See, now living in 2008, you know what it is? What Jesus helped us to see is, I've saved you too, right? I've rescued you from a life of destruction and a life of meaningless. And so one of the cool things right off the bat is to remember, God says, hey, just remember, I rescued you. I love you. Okay, the second thing he says is what? He says, and then he goes, and I led you into the land. And see, God doesn't just rescue us from a life that was horrible or bad. He also leads us into a life, as he called, the promised land. And the same thing's true today, living in 2008. Yes, God forgives us of all of our sin and all the stuff that's in the past, but he also says, I also rose again from the grave so that you could live a new life. I want to lead you. Do you guys know this? He wants to lead you into what is right and good for you. I love that. And then he says, into the land that I swore to give your forefathers. What's he saying? I've made some promises to you. And you know what? The Bible is so full of the amazing promises of God. I love you, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you, I will be with you always, I will be merciful and kind, it's unbelievable. And then the last thing he says is, the land that I swore to give your forefathers, and I said, I will never break my covenant with you. You know what he wants to tell you today? I will be absolutely faithful to you. Here's the deal, guys, we've got to start here. God is so good. He's so good. Now, one thing that's important to understand, who's he saying this to? He's saying this to the Israelites, okay? He's saying this to the Jewish people who are what? They're his people, (laughs) okay? So he's talking to his own. And so, like, for us today, that would mean if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, and if you're a Christian today, and you've invited Christ into your life, you're a child of God, born of the Spirit of God, then he wants to tell you guys something today. 
And if you're still on a spiritual journey, deciding whether that's exactly what you want to believe or trust in, this will be a great day for you because it'll give you a, a good understanding of how God operates with those that are his and how he loves those that are his. But you guys, just remember this. He rescued you. He's leading you into a life of promise. And his promises are good and he is absolutely faithful. And that's where he starts off. So just remember that, okay? Because it's going to get interesting here in just a sec. All right? So here we go. Judges chapter 2. Verse 2, and he says, And you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, but you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? So I, I'm reading this passage, and I look at this, and again, you guys, what, what God was saying was, here, you guys, here's the deal. I'm going to lead you in. You read Joshua. It's an awesome book again. I'm going to lead you into this land, and it's a promised land. But the problem is, all the people who live in there, they want nothing to do with me. And so what's going to be really important is that you trust me and don't make any covenants with those people. Because if you do, what will happen is you'll start to live their ways, which are not my ways. And you're my kids, okay? And I really love you. And so that's what he's saying here. Now, here's what's interesting. For all of us. God says, I've rescued you. I'm leading you. I have made promises to you. And I am absolutely faithful to you. Why aren't you listening to me? Why have you disobeyed me? Now, I, I can tell you, if you're a parent, you have no problem understanding that right there, don't you? I mean, because as a parent with a child all the time, it's like, man, I always have your best interest in mind, right? at least like most of the time, right? And, and, but that's the point. I am making sacrifices. I love you. I'm leading you. And I mean every single day with my kids, I find the statement at some point coming up. Why aren't you listening to me? Why don't you obey me? And, and so we look at that and we just go, now wait a second, because here's the first thing that I felt like God wanted me to kind of reveal to you today. And this is, can I, can I say, today is going to be an interesting day, Okay. I might sweat a lot, but that's life. But here's what's interesting about today. This is going to, it's going to be a little intense, okay? But I'm telling you, when you love somebody, do you not get intense? I'm telling you, when Caleb is playing in the front yard and runs out in the street, you go, stop! Why? Because I love you. You're yelling at me. You're mean at me. No, I'm not. No, no, that's love, dude. Get used to it, you know. And, and so I think of all the stuff that I try to help my children to understand, and they don't get it. And I think here's where God is going to say some stuff to you, and it's really hard to get. The first question I feel like as I read this, and I feel like I needed to lift up to you today was this, is um, I think many times we don't listen to God and we disobey him, and we don't think it's that big of a deal. And, and, and I just felt like God wanted me to share with you today, it's a big deal. It's really a big deal. If I see my kid running in the street, and I know that he could be taken out by a car, that's a big deal to me. And see, and if you're involved in stuff right now that's outside of the plan of God, and God didn't love you enough to wave his flags today and say, please understand, 
It's a big deal. But I think for us, most of the time, we don't think our sin's that big of a deal. Let me just read something for you from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Wait, that's not the right verse. Sorry. James, James chapter 4, verse 4. He comes out and he says this, because sometimes we think, well, that was the Old Testament. That was the Israelites. That doesn't relate to us. And so one of the things you need to do is kind of look, well, what's it say about in the New Testament? Is there some matching scriptures? Look at what this says. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. And that is why scripture says God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Go back to verse 4. I just want to show you a couple things. One of the things that's really interesting, you guys, check this out, is the language is all relational. All relational. What did he say in the, in, in the Old Testament passage? I made a covenant with you, and you made a covenant with me. You guys, what's a marriage? Marriage, covenant. And so what God says is, hey, do you guys understand that when you go after other things, other gods, then what does he call us? Adulterers. Did you, how does that make you feel today? Hey, hey, you adulterous people. Can we, can we go back to the dearly loved child thing? You know, I, I like that a lot better. But what he's trying to help us to see is this. No, listen, I'm about being in relationship with you. I've made the covenant with you. Do you understand that when you go after other things besides me as the center of your life, then it's like adultery. And so, and, and, and so we know that if you're sitting next to your spouse today, it's not okay if your husband goes flirts around with other women. It's not okay. I mean, it's not okay if your husband is cheating on you. Well, you know, that's, no. <laughs> See, and God is saying the same thing. It's not okay because you don't understand. You're mine and I'm yours. Like, and then I love what he says. You guys understand? And he says, because don't you know that the spirit that God caused to live inside you envies intensely? You know, Suze is always at the first service. You guys missed this. But I mean, I, look, there's Hillary. Hi, Hillary. But um, when Suze was sitting over there, and I look over there, the first thing that hits me is, there's major envy inside me for Susie. Now, there's envy that's sin, right? But obviously, the spirit inside us envies intensely. Why? Because his love for you is so intense. It is not okay for any man to get near my wife. Because I love her. And I think all of us know what that feels like, don't you? If you love your spouse. And God says, you guys understand here? We have a covenant. And I envy you intensely. So when you go after other things, that's not okay with me. And, that, and, and so, and he goes on to say things like, it, it, and, and this is really hard. But he says, that's why God opposes the proud. Now, I can't imagine that any of us are in here saying, Man, I would, you know, bring it on. God, you want to oppose me? You know, I mean, I don't think any of us would do that because the last thing you want, can you imagine God actually opposing you? Do you really want to take on that battle? No, you do not. He's a little stronger than you. <laughs> and yet he says, if you're proud, 
I will oppose you. Now, I look at that, and I felt, that's why I felt like, I, oh, I, you guys, God so wants to love us today. But it's going to be a little different, because I think what he's saying is, listen, guys, you have no idea how much you mean to me. You have no idea. So, when you sin, and you, he asks you today, why aren't you listening to me? Why do you disobey me when I give my whole self to you? And you got to wrestle with that. And I want to encourage you today to consider that it's actually a big deal. Okay, next verse is, is Judges chapter 2, verse 3. And it says this. Now, therefore, I tell you, oh, hate this, that I will not drive them out before you. And they will be thorns in your sides, and their gods will be a snare to you. I read that verse. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> um, I, I read that verse. Yeah, that was proud. Great, now he's going to oppose me. Um, <laughs> I, I read that verse, and I'm telling you, it just made me sick inside my stomach. Why? Because here's God saying, I've got this incredible land for you. And if you read Joshua, what he keeps saying is, and I will, I will clear out the people. I will do this for you. Do you guys know? Please know. He knows the plans he has for you. He knows what he wants to do with your life. He has purposes for you. And it says that God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. And in the midst of providing all this opportunity for the Israelites, what do they say? We don't want to follow you. We're not going to obey you. And I think, how many times do we do that? And so what God says is, ah, oh, this is such bullshit. Because now I'm not going to take the guys out. And now you're going to have thorns in your side. And you're going to have gods. Their gods are going to snare you. They're going to be a snare to you. Do you hear this? See, what God is saying to you and me today is this. Do you guys ever had thorns in your side? Isn't that wild? We've all, you know, did you know that phrase actually came from the Bible? A thorn in your side is what? It's painful. It's nagging, right? Got any painful, nagging things going on in your life? Here's the definition off the web. A thorn in your side is someone or something that causes trouble and makes life difficult. <laughs> Anybody got some of those? And see, what God says is, that's not, that's not my way, but if you're not going to follow me, then I'm going to go ahead and use those things as thorns in your side. And then he says, and their gods will be a snare to you. You know what a snare is? It's a trap, and this is so interesting. But it's a trap that's alluring and dangerous. Alluring. That's a snare. Come on. Come on. Oh, smells good. Sounds good. Tastes good. Go for it. Gotcha. It's a snare. Anybody relate? And what the Bible says is, the other gods of this world will be snares to you. What's one of the first commandments? What's the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. And then he warns you, you guys, here's the deal. If you don't follow me, the things you're following will become gods to you. Money will become a god to you. Your job will become a god to you. Even people can become gods to you. Your children can become gods. The things in this world, even good things, if they become the ultimate thing, they become a god. And then once anything besides God becomes God, it has a chance to destroy your life. 
because it can leave you in a moment, and then what do you do? It can cheat on you, and then what do you do? It can leave you. I mean, God is, so what's he doing here again, you guys? He's trying to protect us and to love us and to help us. And so this trap, this alluring deception, what the Bible is saying is, you guys, God is saying, here you go. I know what I want to do with your life, but if you don't listen to me and if you don't obey me, then those very things that you're going after will end up being a snare to you. And now, okay, here we go. And so I I, I thought about that, and again, I just thought, you know what? I I think that sometimes when we we think about this, we go, well, you know what? Come on. This is 2008. I live in America, you know? I mean, it's not that big of a deal to kind of do whatever you want to do. And and so I just need to read this verse from Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. And the reason is because of this. Another definition for snare is this. It's to entrap someone by alluring deception. Again, it's alluring deception. It lies to you, but it looks so good. Listen to Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so I think what happens, you guys, is sometimes we sin and we don't listen to God and we just don't think it's that big of a deal. And what the Bible says, I think what God wanted to say today was this. Hey, don't mock me. Don't mock me. Don't think you can call yourself a Christian or a follower of Christ and live in ways that are opposite of me and then think you're going to get blessed. Don't mock me because I can't be mocked. I won't be mocked. If you sow your sinful nature, then from that nature you will reap destruction you will actually get beat down. And you know what God says? What did he say from the very beginning? I don't want you to be beat down. That's why I'm telling you, I'm waving the flags today for you, right here. I'm waving the flags on on July 27, 2008, saying I got another plan, you guys, and I want you to follow me. So there's three responses to sin, you guys. We all do it. We all struggle with it. There's three responses. The first one is this. You can go ahead and deny it. You can just, you can ignore it, and you can say it's not that big of a deal. I don't think that I'm doing this bothers, you know, it's not bothering anybody. It's not hurting anybody. You can go ahead and say those things, okay? Now, let me take it one step further. I think as well, though, and this is really dangerous, that sometimes what we think, what we like to say is, hey, don't try and tell me what's right or what's wrong. Don't try and tell me what's right or what's wrong. I remember, you know, last year, Ashlyn, when, we would, when, when she was in trouble, you know what she'd do? She's four. I'm like, when she's a teenager, we're really in trouble. But you know what? She was like, I don't care if you spank me. That's what she would say. You know, I think sometimes in our spirit, you know what? In fact, you know what? There's this horrific verse in Judges, and it says this. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You know what happens when everybody does what is right in their own eyes? Absolute chaos. 
we get the world we're living in. And you know what else happens? If you can stand before God and say, I'm going to do what I think is right. What's that called? Pride. And what does God do with those who are proud? He opposes you. So I feel like I just want to encourage you today to consider being humble before your God and to consider the fact that maybe in your own mind, you don't exactly know everything that's right in the world. I, that's what I've finally come to. In this pea brain, I'm not going to figure it out. Think about your children. You know they don't know. But they're defiant because they think they know or because they want it. And I want to tell you, man, you have a choice. You can deny the sin. You can ignore it. And you can even look at God and say, hey, don't, don't, don't tell me what is right. I'll figure out what's right. And he says, if you want to do that, you can. And I will oppose you. That is not a place I want to be in opposition to God. Now, what was the Israelites' response? Because that's your one response. You can go ahead and deny it. What's the Israelites' response? Check this out, verse 4. When the angel of the Lord had spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people wept aloud, and they called that place Bochim. And there they offered sacrifices to the Lord. You know what Bochim means? means weepers. <laughs> they called the place weepers. Now here's the deal. There's two more responses that you and I can have to sin once we realize that there's sin in our life. One is we can deny it and ignore it. The second thing we can do, and both of these involve weeping, which is interesting. The first one is this, is you can go ahead and sit in it. You can sit in your sin. And I want to encourage you guys, this is one of the most horrific things that happens to all of us when we think that we've done something against God. Now what they did, when they started weeping, is what did they do? They made sacrifices to God. They got busy, right? And they did some religious stuff. Look at what it says in Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is a psalm that David wrote, King David. I don't know if you know the story about him, but David was the man after God's own heart. You know what the man after God's own heart did? One day he was standing up on a building and saw this really hot woman, and he decided, I want her. And he brought her to himself. And as some people, I think, maybe correctly say, he raped her. It wasn't her choice. He's the king. Come here, I want you. And he gets her pregnant. Wow, that was bad. So he brings in his husband, tries to, her husband tries to cover up her whole thing, and when that doesn't work, what's he do? He has her husband killed. That's the man after God's own heart. Some of you right now feel so crappy about your sin. And you need to look at David and go, you know what? Even the people who love God can really mess up. But when people of God really mess up, they really confess. And that's what Psalm 51 is. Look at what David says. He says, you do not delight in sacrifice. Interesting, huh? The Israelites said they wept and then they made sacrifices. And David says, well, you don't delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Yes, is there supposed to be sorrow? When you sin, yes, this whole idea, hey, it doesn't bother me, and I just don't tell me what, you know, <laughs> that's not good. Is there sorrow? Yes, but did you guys know there's two types of sorrow? Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says this, godly sorrow 
brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. It beats you down. Now let me try to help you as we close today. What's the difference? Because one will beat you down, and the other one turns you around. And that's why when I thought about today, I'm going, you guys, you know how critical today is? You can walk out of here being beat down, or you can walk out of here being turned around. And that turning leads to life, to salvation. Here's what I think it means to have, God, to have worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is when you've done something wrong, and then you just sit in it. And you know what happens? Is you start to beat yourself up for it. There's no real heart change. You just hate the consequences. You hate the fact that you did it. And what happens is, is all of a sudden you have this self-pity, right? You hate the consequences, and then you look in the mirror, and what do you do? You hate yourself. Again, don't raise your hand. Anybody relate? You hate yourself for what you did. And the next thing you know, you know what the voices you hear are? You're an idiot. You loser. And that's mine. By the way, I just, you know, big L, big loser. And you hear these voices all the time. And then you know what? You keep going. If you keep listening to this self-pity, to this worldly sorrow, you know what you hear? You deserve it. You just deserve it. So you know what? Why don't you just sit in it and take the punishment? Bam, bam, bam. Can you relate? And you get beat down. And you know what it does? It's death. Do you think that's from God? Do you think God is saying to you, you loser? You idiot? Oh, you want to do that to me? Well, you know? Is that what he has for you, is to beat you down? No. You know what else? So then what, you know what we do? Is then we say, man, I'm so horrible, I'm so bad, I better do a bunch of stuff. And so we start, well, I better go to church, you know? And I, and I better start tithing, because he knows what I'm doing. And I better, like, even maybe volunteer in Adventure Canyon and change dirty diapers. I, I better, like, really start to, you know what you start to do? What you do is you say, you know what? I need to earn God's favor I need to get it back and work for it. And you know what that's called? Death. Did you know if you are working to try to get God to love you, that is a burden on you that he doesn't want you to have. That's worldly sorrow. What's godly sorrow? Here you go. This is what this is all about today, you guys. Can I have the time up there, please? What is worldly or godly sorrow? Godly sorrow is when you finally get to this place where you do feel conviction. You feel it. You know something's not right. See, here's what, here's what worldly sorrow does. It accuses you. It's got a finger, right? And it just points at you. That right there, you. And that finger is attached to a fist <laughs> that goes bam, points it out and nails you. You know what God does? He's got a finger too. And he points it out. And some of you know, he's been pointing that right there, baby. You keep doing that, it's like running into the street. That right there, right there. I got to let you know, if you keep doing that, it's going to cause destruction of your marriage. That right there, if you do that, you know, man, if you get caught, all of your integrity is gone. Right there, that thing right there. And then you know what God's finger's connected to? A hand that's open, that lifts you up and forgives you. Worldly sorrow, bam, godly sorrow. He is going to point it out, but then he's going to attach it to a hand, 
and he's going to lift you up. And what, he's gonna, what is he going to ask you to do? You know what he's going to ask you to do? He's going to say, hey, you guys, don't make sacrifices for me. Look at my sacrifice. Look at my sacrifice. Do you understand what I did 2,000 years ago in Christ on the cross? Do you know that in that moment, all of your sin was punished? Yes, do I hate sin? I hate it. Anybody see the passion of Christ? He hates sin. Somebody's going to pay for sin. Because it is destructive, and God hates the fact that it destroys you. He hates the fact that you're hurting other people. But what I remember when I watched The Passion of Christ, I watched it, and I got done, and the first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, what am I doing for God? Because look what he's done for me. And you know what? Right after that, that was my thought, right after that, you know what God came in and said through his Holy Spirit that lives in me? He said, hey, Dave, when are you going to finally receive everything that's yours because of what I've done for me? You guys, here's the difference. You don't make sacrifices. You look to his sacrifice. And you know what it does? It humbles you. And you go, I can't believe that you love me that much. That you would actually pay the price. Because the price for sin is death and separation from God. But you paid the price. So I don't have to. Does that not humble you? And see, what happens? What does God do? He opposes the proud. What does he do to the humble? He lifts you up. See, he wants you to look at what? Your, his amazing love for you. His unbelievable grace for you. He says, listen, how come, how come when we repent, how come, when, how come would, when we come to God, why would repentance, this godly sorrow, lead to repentance? You know why it does? Because when you look at Christ, there's this great verse that says, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. You guys, when you read Judges, yes, it's very a bummer, but every time the people turned to God, you know what he was? Merciful. He is so kind. He's so loving. Just like I am towards my kids. Yes, I will scream if I have to to save their life. But when they turn to me, what do they get? Mercy and love and compassion. Why should they turn to me? Because I will be kind. I want to love my kids. Guess what? God wants to love you. He really does. And his kindness leads you to turn to him. So what do you got to do? And we'll close with this. What do you got to do? There's just two classic verses. The first one is 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. The first thing, you guys, maybe today, what you need to do is finally confess to God. And you know what confess means? It means to agree with him. That's all it means. I agree. I totally agree. And I want to encourage you one thing. This general confession thing, like, God, please forgive me for last week, you know, doesn't, it's specific. When you can be specific in your confession to God, he will specifically release you from that thing. And you don't have to confess to let him know, right? It's not like, hey, God, I don't know if you know what I did this weekend. No, he knows. So it's not like confess it so he can know. It's confess it so that it leaves the burden off of your heart and you can finally be free. Because when you confess it, then you remember he's faithful and just and he's forgiven me and you embrace it and you're free. I'm telling you, that's huge. And then the second great verse is this. Acts 3.19 says this. So repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out 
and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I love that verse. I mean, don't you guys want refreshing? You know, it's like being, I was back in Michigan, like the hot, muggy, gross Midwest summer. Storm comes in, right? Blows it all out, and it's fresh. You guys know that feeling. Some of you need that today. And how do you get it? You confess to God that you're sinning, and you repent. You change the direction. And you receive. The third thing you do is you receive. Because he says, I'll be absolutely faithful to forgive you. Absolutely faithful to forgive you. And to cleanse you. So here's what we're going to do, you guys. This is the greatest news in all the world. That all of us are sinners. And all of us fall short of the glory of God. And all of us can receive the grace and the mercy of God. Because of what he's done through Jesus Christ. And you know what? Band, come on up. You guys today, you can either be beat down, okay, or you can turn around. And it's your choice. That's the cool thing, too. You can oppose God, and he'll oppose you, and you guys can battle the rest of your life. Or you can feel really bad about it and get beat down and by your own guilt and the voice that tells you how crummy you are. <laughs> or you can look to Jesus and receive his forgiveness. Receive it and believe that it's yours, and confess it, and move on with your life, and you can walk out of here free. So we're going to give you a chance. You guys, when we worship here with music, what this really is, it's an opportunity for you to express your heart to God, and we're going to give you a chance to express the fact that you believe he's kind, and that you believe his grace for you is amazing. And what we're going to do is give you about one minute just to sit, maybe with your eyes closed, and just have a conversation with this one who loves you so much. And be honest with him. Lay it before him and confess to him that there's sin. And then receive his forgiveness, and then we'll give you a chance to express it in song. And we are going to take our offering during this first song. And when you do, again, if you're visiting, don't worry about it. But if you came prepared to give, maybe even as you give in that moment, Give your stuff too. Give your sin to him and just let it go and receive the blessing of God. All right? Let's worship him together as we close out our days.